You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. According to Donna, D-O-N-A, International, the word doula comes from the ancient Greek meaning a woman who serves or handmaiden. A doula is a trained and experienced professional who is there to care for the mother in labor, providing continuous physical and emotional support before, during, and just after birth. Now, I wish I had chosen to have a doula for my childbirth experiences. You know, maybe if I did, it would have prevented the C-section necessary to deliver my 10-pound baby, Cody. Today on Wellness for Life, we have a celebrity doula, maternal wellness maven, and author of Own Your Glow, a soulful guide to luminous living and crowning the queen. Her name is Latham Thomas. She's the founder of Mama Glow, a global women's health and education brand serving women along the childbearing continuum. Mama Glow also serves a globally recognized doula immersion program attended by women from all corners of the USA and six continents. With training hubs in New York City, LA, Miami, and Paris, they educate doula trainees from all around the world to become the next generation of birth workers that will transform the modern health care system for women and babies. And she is a fierce advocate for birth equity and works to bridge policy gaps in maternal health. Welcome, Latham. So great to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. What, What got you interested in becoming a doula? Well, it started with the birth of my own son, who's 17 now. Um, I had a great experience with him. We were living in New York City when I was pregnant, and I still live in um, Brooklyn now. And uh, during that time, you know, there weren't the types of resources that we have at our fingertips, right, with the internet. We did not have um, Google the way that we do today and resources the way that we do. And so I had to kind of uh, vet practitioners, products, services, everything really by just, you know, my own personal experience. And um, although I'm from California, I knew sort of how to navigate this terrain if I was home, but I was in a different city, right? I was in New York. And so it was like, well, how do I have the experience that I would want to have um, at home? How do I have that here? Right. And so I had to figure out like the best practitioners and, there was at the time a birth center. It was called Elizabeth Seaton Childbearing Center. And it was on 14th Street, which was about seven blocks from where I was living. And I would walk past it because it was very close to a nightclub that I used to go to. <laughs> and so I would walk past it a lot. And, um, and so when I became pregnant, it was like, well, we should check this place out. We went in, we had amazing like experience with them. They, they have you do 21 hours of education um, to deliver there. So everybody's very clear when you, when you're, um, going through that process. Right. And so, um, there's no confusion of what the experience will be and what's expected. And, um, and there's no, there's actually no pharmaceuticals. So everything that you're doing is really going to be, um, in the realm of using sort of natural pain management and um, and having partner support and doulas are part of the experience, but I had just my midwife and my best friend and my son's father, and it was amazing. And that day for me was really pivotal. Like I knew that I would help 
you know, people along this birth continuum after my son's birth. I, I was really clear that that would be part of my journey. And I'm really grateful that that's what um, it's sort of become, you know, and um, the past few years, I would say we're really seeing like a, um, a lot of public awareness about um, maternal deaths in this country. And a lot of our work, you know, in terms of education of doulas is hinged upon that, right? It's really about making sure that people have access to resources, information, advocacy tools to navigate their birth experiences, whatever those that will look like. And, um, and doulas, like you just said in your opening, are really there to serve families wherever they are in this continuum, regardless of outcome, regardless of birth, we're here to support you and whatever your desires are and your, and your needs along the, the birth continuum. Now, doulas are different from midwives. Is that correct? Absolutely. Can you explain the difference? Yeah. So um, a doula is a non-clinical care provider that offers emotional support, physical support, education, um, advocacy tools, partner support if you have a partner present for your birth experience, and really help people get comfortable with um, the experience that's at hand, really. And so um, that might be helping them to navigate what birth preferences or a plan could look like for, and it's not really a plan, but we call it, you know, birth plan. I call it birth preferences, um, helping you to navigate hospital systems or learn about, you know, pain management techniques, comfort measures, um, what to expect when you get to the hospital, um, particularly in the times that we're living, you know, helping people navigate um, what COVID-19 looks like when you enter into the hospital and, and what that experience will be like for you delivering um, during a pandemic, you know. And so um, it's a completely different experience with non-clinical support um, where a midwife is a clinician, right? Like a midwife is um, just like you have an obstetrician or gynecologist who you would work with, um, you know, during your pregnancy and the obstetrician would deliver your, your baby, um, a midwife would also deliver um, any type of delivery aside from surgical deliveries, right? So they will deliver breech presentation, which is butt or feet first. They'll deliver um, any type of um, birth out of hospital, home, birth center, and sometimes in hospitals, they also deliver. Um, whereas obstetricians deliver um, in hospital only and are trained as skilled surgeons. Mm, got it. Thank you so much for that clarity. Now, for a new mother to be, um, it would be best, I would say, to start looking into a doula, hiring a doula. And is it more private or is it that you get educated at a class or an online program? What What do one do if you're pregnant and you want to learn more? Uh, where should they go to to look in on becoming or at least hiring a doula or talking to one? Yeah, so you can just, I mean, right now, a lot of people are doing virtual support. So you can find doula online really easily, um, you know, through Google searches at mamaglow.com. We have doulas that you can access there. Um, and, and we do like a matching, you know, service for people. Um, I think that the, the main thing, though, for people who are exploring this option is to um, think about like what's possible in terms of, um, you know, what they can afford, what their desired um, experiences, and bringing that to the conversation when you're speaking to the doula about um, what your needs are so they can help to, you know, help you 
have some faith in the process and get excited and also help you with resources and gathering uh, what you need for the experience. Um, also, uh, you know, so you could have someone virtual. They could be in any location, by the way, right? So I can be in New York, you could be in California, and we could work virtually. Um, a lot of hospitals aren't allowing doulas back into the delivery room right now because of COVID. So virtual support is the only option for some people. Um, if you're doing a home birth, then you'll have someone, you know, your doula can come to the home and, and be a part of that birthing process very easily. And um, I would say the, the easiest way, though, is kind of ask around of friends and family members and folks who've used them who really like their doulas. Going off of referrals is also really great. You know, like if someone in your community is like, oh, I have a great doula, interview them, right? Talk to them, hear about their experience and, um, and see if they're somebody that you vibe with. It's really based on vibes, right? Like everybody's, you know, educated and skilled and stuff. But I think, um, you know, you're going to choose someone based on how they make you feel, right? And, and if you feel like there's a vibe and you feel supported, that's probably going to be the best option. And so you should go off of that too. Like in addition to education and, and tools and what you know about them and their experience, that's always great. Thank you. Great. Good to know. You know, um, you know, this COVID-19 has affected everyone, obviously globally, but for African American and, and black American women who are pregnant, uh, what, how has that affected them? Is there a difference at all? In terms of, which I'm talking about, you know, there, of course, with within the African American, American, Black American individuals, they all have, uh, they might have asthma, more um, high blood pressure issues, uh, diabetes issues, and has that affected the birthing process and possibly even uh, maternal deaths? Yeah, I mean, comorbidities are part of, you know, anyone's uh, health risk, right? And so, um, because some people from different communities based on um, where they live, what toxins they may be exposed to. Um, you know, asthma is usually environmental. So if you're living in an area that's high pollutants, you know, um, that's going to impact, you know, the, the quality of air you're breathing is going to impact your health in general, but it'll certainly impact your pregnancy. Um, you know, if you're exposed to um, toxic stress throughout pregnancy that can exacerbate your blood pressure, right, and lead to um, hypertension that can uh, show up as preeclampsia or eclampsia, you know, in pregnancy or postpartum, um, you know, blood disorders, placental disorders. Um, these are all things that disproportionately affect um, Black women in pregnancy. Um, but the issue is not just the comorbidities, it's really like how the how we actually navigate the system, because there's lots of people with health um, risk. And there's lots of people also with um, pre existing health conditions that don't die when they go to the hospital, right, mm -hmm. that instead, um, leave healed or leave treated. And um, we're finding and and this is not new, but I think there's like a new lens on what's happening is that um, statistically and, and really anecdotally, uh, folks are sharing their experiences of neglect in hospital settings, of not being um, properly diagnosed or being misdiagnosed, 
um, not getting proper treatment, um, being seen as not needing pain medication or um, being seen as um, someone who could wait because you seem strong and healthy or you look healthy, right? Um, there's, you know, uh, I mean, racism shows up, I think, as neglect. It shows up as, um, you know, people having experiences where they have to constantly advocate for themselves in in a space where you should be heard, right? Like if I say I'm experiencing a certain, um, you know, like I have a certain symptom instead of someone saying, oh, you'll be okay and letting you sit in the, um, the ER for two hours waiting. This is like the average wait time for um, African-Americans, um, two hours in the ER. And usually if you're in the ER, it's because it's an emergency, right? Mm-hmm. And so to be seen as like not, um, you know, not important enough to treat right away. This can lead to the the poor health outcomes that we see, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not just that people have um, these particular health risks, is that it's exacerbated by a system that is not meeting their needs and serving properly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so what that can look like, right, that can lead to maternal deaths, right? Because if someone misdiagnosis or underdiagnosis or says you're okay and sends you home and you have something that's, um, you know, that can be a, a serious complication, potentially fatal, then that becomes a lethal choice, right? And so, and there's no accountability when someone makes a mistake, right? So I think there's, you know, the, the issues for um, Black women and, um, and particularly, I would say also Native American women fall under the same banner you know, there is a, a, a routine um, almost approach to this lack of care, right, that shows up across both, um, across the, the birthing continuum for both sets of people, for both populations. And this does show up in other populations. Like we see this in the LGBTQ plus community as well, where there's neglect, right? We see this, you know, in communities where you might have someone who's um, a teen, you know, like there's a, a teen parent that comes in and they're not treated with the same respect or they're, they're treated like they don't um, understand what's going on or treated like a child, right? You also have people who have, um, you know, experiences that might be, um, you know, maybe they're considered too old, right? And they'll be mistreated because they're like, oh, you're a geriatric, you know, in pregnancy. This is actually terminology that's used, right? Mm. So, so there's a lot of places, a lot of entry points where and intersections where people are mistreated in a system like this, right? And so it's just that we see a compounded number of, of Black people that are particularly exposed, right? And so what we have to do as we think about this is not think about like, well, why is it that why is it the asthma or why is it the diabetes or why is it like all of these things um, are also factors, you know, I I would say results of factors that are working on us our entire lives. Right. And so, and those factors are also linked to systemic racism. So it's not that like um, being black is not an issue. It's, it's racism. That's an issue that exacerbates all of this. Right. And so if we were getting our needs met in these spaces, then we would see, 
um, different outcomes because we see it for every other group, right? We see that people can go in and have high blood pressure and be treated and go home, right? This does not seem to be the case for black women who go in pregnant. Um, and, and we have to put a stop to that. We have to change it. I, I totally agree with that. You know, um, I had my child 25, 26, almost 26 years ago. And what I did was I, um, I wrote a birthing plan that I literally made copies for everyone around me in that maternity ward because I wanted to make sure I didn't want specific things such as I don't want them to give him any, um, any formula, you know, I really wanted to breastfeed and, mm -hmm. and I, there were certain things that were really important to me at the time. I didn't want him to get a, vac a vaccine first thing in his life, first day in his life, um, mm -hmm. about circumcisions, all these different things. And I knew I was being, you know, pretty strong. I, I, I knew the nurses weren't happy, but I felt that I needed these needs met. And I'm so glad that I did do that because it made my experience better. Is there, is that something that we can do now even so now? I mean, do women do give birthing plans? Could that help? Yeah, I mean, people do. Lots of people have birth plans, but I mean, it's like, it's, it's one thing to be prepared, right. And to have like a plan in place. It's another to have, um, it be carried out, right. And, and respected and honored. And so I think it's, you know, I, a lot of people have plans, right. And a lot of people have ideas of how they want the birth to go. Um, but that's disrupted by, um, you know, when they move into spaces where they don't have any autonomy, you know, and I think the problem is that, we've allowed, um, we've created circumstances where there's no accountability for um, physicians. And, and I don't want to say this, like, on an individual level, it's a systemic level, right? Like, we're not holding people accountable when harms are done, right? And so things happen that are preventable. We know that 60 of, of the maternal deaths that we see, like amongst black women specifically, right? When we're talking about three to four times more likely than white women to die during childbirth or due to childbirth related causes, 60% of those deaths are preventable. So it's like 60% is a lot. That's huge. That means that like there were, there were gaps that were, that were like wide open that we didn't fill um, you know, with service provisions, right? And so we have to figure out, well, why is that? And how does it, how does it get that way, right? And so, so I think the goal, you know, in all of this is, yes, you want people to have a plan in place. You, of course, you want them to feel like they're educated, but you need tools to advocate, right? So you need to understand what informed consent looks like. You need to know what your rights are entering into um, a system, right? Just like if you're going to school, what is the school handbook? What are the things I need to know about my conduct here? What do I need to know about like what it means to be part of the school community? All of those things are going to be factors, right? Mm. And so it, it's not just like you go there and you show up and you, you know, like if you show up on the first day and guess what, there's like a uniform and you didn't read, right? You're not prepared. You don't know how things function there. Then you're going to be in violation because you didn't wear your uniform, right? So it's like there's certain things that, you know, when we embark upon, we prepare ourselves. And then this is one where we really have to prepare ourselves because we're entering into an institution that has its own goals. It has its own um, rules and policies and also has seeks to protect itself, obviously, right? It's a business as well. And so we have to understand that as individuals who go in, that um, 
our goals may not align with the institutional goals, right? Like our, our experience may not be one that can be adequately met by that space either, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for people to know that there are other options for you, right? Like, you know, out of hospital birth is an option. Home birth is an option. You know, birth centers are an option. You know, actually making uh, midwives and midwifery more accessible is really important. It's only in this country that we see this like schism between, you know, midwives and doctors where doctors don't even really learn about midwives. And when actually all of our, you know, our, our entire sort of modern obstetrical model was built upon the work of midwifery. So it's like, and, and there's no real um, connection, no reverence, no support, no partnership, right? You do see in some hospitals, there are midwives on staff, but again, it's largely dominated by male doctors. And so I think what's really important is for us to know that like, if we, if I have a low risk birth, you know, out of hospital is an option for me. And I, I should just research. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do anything that doesn't make you feel comfortable. But the fact that we only value, you know, hospital births and we only, you know, um, share that as the option for people is, is really not fair. Right. So people need to know that there's multiple options. There's multiple ways to, to birth and, and they can choose what feels right for them. For instance, I had a client who, you know, was, she just had really horrible experiences growing up with hospitals, right. Because of, um, her health and upbringing. And it was not even an option. Like, like it wasn't an option to deliver in the hospital. It was just like the most terrifying thing she could think of. Right. And so for her, we knew we had to create, um, do some work around that and healing, you know, around her experience and her trauma. But we also knew that it wasn't going to be safe for her to have the baby in the hospital. Like she wouldn't feel, she just would not have had the ideal experience. And, um, and so we planned for an out of hospital experience for her and she had an amazing birth. Now, I've had people who they would never think to deliver outside. It's, it's like the, the thought of doing it at home or, you know, in a birth center is like terrifying, right? And so they feel safest in the hospital, right? So you just got to make sure that people are finding their right, their, their right space. And, and, you know, there's a right space for everyone. And so that's really, you know, what the doula can also be helpful with is, is, you know, helping you at least elucidate for yourself the best options, right? So that as you navigate this process, that you don't feel alone, but that you also feel like you're um, covered in information to make the the best choices for yourselves. Yeah, thank you, Latham. You know, there's a doctor here, uh, Dr. Paul Crane. He's a medical doctor, Mm -hmm. but he's an OBGYN, and he's the only one here that does not deliver in the hospital. It's all home birthing, mm. which is beautiful. I love they, it. Yeah, he works very closely with the midwife and doulas, and it's just so refreshing to hear that you can do this the most natural way. Um, and, you know, his percentage of needing to go to the hospital is very, very low, very low. You know, one of the, my patients is about to deliver in about three weeks. And no. yay, and in... They're in Idaho vacationing. Well, they decided not to come back to L.A. because their hospital, uh, in a very one of the top L.A. hospitals, they're actually putting their COVID patients into the maternity ward. ward. So what? she decided, yes, because it's an overflow. 
There's an overflow, and right. they're putting it through. So she decided to stay uh, at her vacation home in Idaho and deliver over there. I'm hoping that she's going to be finding a doula soon because she didn't, you know, her doula's out, out here in L.A. So, oh my goodness, I'm sure that there are some available. Um, you know, I, I suppose you could also um, do things, as you say, online, online during yeah, this. Yeah, virtual. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, she can pipe in with her doula virtually. That's great. Tell us, you know, before we're, we're done, we just got a minute or so. Where can we find more about you and your work? And again, tell us about your book one more time. Yeah, sure. And first of all, thank you so much for this. And what I think is so important is is the working together, right? Because I think what ends up happening is we're all in these silos, right? Like, you know, medical providers over here and then midwives over here and then doulas over here and then massage therapists over here and chiropractors. Like we need to all work together because we all have similar goals. Right. right. And so um, like we all want to, to, to end up with a healthy, a healthy baby, healthy new parents. Right. And so I think what's most important here is to have open communication. That's what we seek to do. I work with first and second year med students. I work in hospitals when they're doing grand rounds. I talk to folks because we want to bridge the gap. We don't want to create more mm. distance, right? We want to minimize the distance, bring more connection and humanity to this process. So people know that, no, you're safe here. You can ask questions. Let's figure it out together, right? There's a lot that needs to be fixed, but we can do it together. So that's one thing. Um, and I can be found on mamaglow.com, M-A-M-A-G-L-O-W.com. And on Instagram, it's also mamaglow. My personal is glowmaven, G-L-O-W-M-A-V-E-N. And um, my first book was about pregnancy. It's called Mama Glow. And my second one's called Own Your Glow. Yeah. So people are interested in, you know, the second one is really more about, you know, self-care, slowing down. Um, It's not about pregnancy, but it is about like sort of birthing this best iteration of yourselves. And I think in this moment that we're in with everything that's happening in the world, it's really a great companion for um, us really stepping into this next phase of life and and where we're at, especially in, in quarantine. I think that, you know, your second book, it's, it sounds to me that you don't have to be a mother at all. You can, you can, no, nope. that's right. Uh, it's, it's just, you're a woman, you're a woman and, and owning your glow. I think every one of us, I can use that that self-empowerment for sure. Thank you, Latham. I love it. Oh, my God. So grateful to be here with you today. Thank you, Latham. It's been such a refreshing conversation. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Oh, such great information. I love talking to women, especially. I don't know why it is. At least for me, it's just, it, you know, we we automatically have a connection no matter what. Um, because there's, yeah, right? right? <laughs> such great information. Mm-hmm. Thanks again. All right. Oh, my God. Thank you. And I love your voice. It's so pillowy. <laughs> Thanks so much. Nobody's ever said that before. It's, it is. It's just like it's so pillowy. It sounds like it's like a voice I want to hear if I'm like trying to relax. Uh, it's really because it was, it was very like a lullaby listening to uh, you. So I, was, so I hope I didn't sound too relaxed. <laughs> thank you, Latham. <laughs> thank you so much. 
Great information. Oh, I know you have learned something real here. Valuable. This is important that we all talk about maternal health. And this can there are options. There's very much big options out there. So share this this show with whoever wants to be a new mother, is a new mother, and you know, we can change their lives here. Please subscribe if you haven't already so we can continue to do our very best on Wellness for Life. If you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. My contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.